Hey, everybody. Good morning. Um, no. So uh, we are starting a new sermon series uh, for this summer today. We just finished a series called Be Curious uh, in Search of the Real Jesus. And I don't know if you've if you caught enough of this over the summer, um, or sorry, over the spring, that every time someone encounters Jesus or they, they meet the real Jesus, um, once they encounter him, they're never the same, kind of for better or for worse. Uh, when you encounter Jesus, it's really hard to be neutral about Jesus, right? He brings some sort of change or some sort of transformation into the life of the people that encounter him. You've heard me say before that Jesus meets us but he never leaves us there, and he doesn't intend to leave us there. Uh, Jesus has an agenda, right? And so I've uh, been praying about that and thinking about as we're heading into this um, summer season, there's a lot of change. If you have kids, you know that there's a lot of change going on in your life. There's a lot of change, us being in this facility. Uh, you know, we've only been in, in here for a couple of weeks. Uh, change of even Jeremy and Sarah and the Kemps coming onto staff and him taking more leadership in this congregation. So really felt in this season of change that it was really foundational for us to go back to some of the very foundational things that happen for us when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not just things that change for us individually. I mean, that baptism actually really points to this well, that uh, baptism is a very uh, personal and and, uh, beautiful thing, but it's not a private thing. You're actually baptized into a family. So, We're going to be talking about the changes that happen for us, not just individually, but the changes that happen for us as a body of believers, right? As the church, corporately. So when we say that the gospel, this is the sermon series we call The Gospel Changes Everything, we literally believe that, not just individually, but collectively, no aspect of our lives, not one part of your life, is unaffected by what Jesus has done for you. Every aspect of our lives is touched by this gospel of Jesus. It changes our relationship to God. It changes our relationship to ourselves. It changes our relationship to one another. And it changes our relationship to the world that he's placed us in. Every aspect of our lives is affected by Jesus. So I was praying about this series, even when we named the series, Jeremy and I worked on this together. Um, Gospel changes everything. Gospel changes everything, right? And I have to make a confession right out the gate, and I'm going to invite you to potentially make the same confession. And that's this, is is I don't want the gospel to change everything. Like, I have to wrestle with that question. Do I really want Jesus to come into my life and affect and transform and change everything, right? I was thinking about this for myself, and I was reflecting on it. I was praying about it. I was talking to the Lord about it. I was even thinking about conversations that I find myself in with people often. And if I'm honest... A lot of times I want Jesus to kind of come into my life and I want him to author some sort of change, some form of transformation, but there are other parts that I would utterly prefer that he leaves alone, right? I don't want you to mess with that part of my life. Like our mission statement here at Midtown Fellowship is gospel transformation through multiple congregations. And if I have to be honest, I actually probably like it more like this, not gospel transformation, but gospel tweaks, right? I'm looking for Jesus to kind of come in and tweak some things for me. Like if he wants to do extreme home makeover 
on me, that's great. As long as he has picked the tile that I've already decided, right? And we have the same taste in mid-century modern homes and he furnishes it the way that I want. I want him to do those sorts of changes, but there are other parts of my life. Leave that alone. Well, there's a problem with that. And the problem is this, Jesus, when he moves into our lives, he doesn't just say, hey, let's have a consultation and I want to get your ideas about this and let me, you know, we'll kind of work together like an architect to decide how we're going to make this thing work. No, he moves in and says, I've got an agenda for this house. I've got an agenda for you and I'm going to transform your life and I've got a reason that I'm doing that transformative work. C.S. Lewis kind of summed it up really well. He says it like this in Mere Christianity, imagine yourself as a living house. That's one of the metaphors scripture uses as well. God comes in to rebuild that house and at first perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He gets the drains right, he stops the leak in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. It does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house than the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here. He's putting on an extra floor there. He's running up towers. He's making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. He's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. What he's saying there, what I'm saying is that the gospel changes everything. He's, he's coming to build a palace. He's reworking things in a, in a profound way because he intends to come live in it himself. So we're going to spend some time this summer looking at really 10 specific areas that if you are a Christian, if you're in Christ this morning, or if you are participating, another way we'd say it, participating with Jesus in his work in your life, if I'm on board with that, or staying in step with the Holy Spirit, or if I'm looking at the scriptures to actually guide me into what is true about life and the very purpose of life, if you're a part of a body of the church, then these are some of the everything areas that begin to change for us, all right? So that's where we're headed this summer. Kat Shivey, come on. She's going to read. Yeah, y'all can cheer for her. Yes. We're in, a, we're in a gymnasium, y'all. Like, if she would have shot and made the bucket right now, she's about to shoot, right? This is 2 Corinthians 5, uh, starting in verse 17 through 21. Yeah, let me bring you a microphone. You don't even have to go over. I'll bring it to you. It's a little tall. Good morning. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, there. There we go. <laughs> All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
We're, we're still working on the lighting in here, so sorry about the uh, abrupt changes. It's like transitioning from inside to outside. You're like, whoa, where am I at? One thing we're going to talk about this morning. Um, one of these everything areas, the gospel changes everything, right? I want to talk to you this morning about this shift that Paul is talking about where he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It's an identity shift for us as believers. The life, that's what I want to talk about. You just write it on if you're a note taker, the life of an ambassador, okay? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. This metaphor, Paul uses tons of metaphors, which are always helpful, right? They're trying to help you connect with reality. This is what has happened for you. This is what's true. Paul uses this ambassador metaphor at the very end of this passage to really nail home, describe this huge shift or huge change in the identity of the life of a believer in the Corinthian church. If you knew anything about the Corinthian church, we've talked about the Corinthian church in the past, but let me just sum up the Corinthian church for you. Corinthian church was much like Nashville, a very wildly hot, successful city, a melting pot of cultures and talents and all sorts of things. And uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the passage that talks about love that everybody reads at weddings and has nothing to do with a wedding, uh, all talks about life in the community is what it's really talking about. It's saying, hey, you've got all these wild gifts, things, ways that God has created you and gifted you, but you use your gifts uh, only for self-gratification. It's all this giant competition to try to just who can be on top through my gifts that God has given me. And Paul is actually getting at That's not what your gifts are there for in this very passage about ambassadors. He's saying you're actually created to be an ambassador of something other than yourself. The very image of an ambassador, it's a poignant one because if you know anything about ambassadors, ambassadors find their very purpose, their very meaning, why they are who they are is to be a representative of something other than themselves. That's what it means to be an ambassador. That's why we have things like brand ambassadors, right? I'm here to represent this brand. And for us, that brand is this. I, I'm an ambassador of King Jesus and of his kingdom. The United States has ambassadors all over the world. Has anybody ever been to an embassy, foreign embassy? Really? Okay. Why don't you come up here and share a few things about <laughs> kidding? No, we have 100 and, 170 ambassadors all over the world. Do you know how you get to become an ambassador? You got to be appointed by the president. He's the only person who can appoint you, right? To be a diplomatic representative of the United States of America in a foreign kingdom, right? In a foreign land. We'll get to embassies here in a second. It's going to be like U.S. History 101, right? No. But even an embassy, when you go into an embassy, That land is literally like your set foot in the United States, right? So you get appointed by, nominated by the president to that role. And Paul's saying nothing short of that here, right? He's saying that is what has happened for you in Christ. You have this new identity as an ambassador, and attached to that identity as an ambassador comes a certain activity, right? Paul is always doing this. Let me tell you who you are. Let me remind you of who you are. And if this is really who you are, then that should be fleshing itself out in these certain ways. Jesus did the same thing too in John 13. He says, you belong to me. 
right? How are people to know that you belong to me? Well, because of the way that you love one another, right? There's an activity that reflects the identity change. Well, how we get the appointment to ambassador, Paul says it right here really clearly, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how do you become in Christ? A new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Boom. Fireworks should go off right now. That's the, that's the moment of your appointment, right? That's how we get this appointment. We actually have to have something happen for us that we can't do for ourselves. This new creation in Christ status where the old has gone and the new has come, that happens for us not because of something that we do, but it is something, all of this, what does he say there, comes from God. He does it all. And that kind of messes with us. I mean, when we think of brand ambassadors, we think of people like Charles Barkley, right? Charles Barkley was a very successful basketball player, and so when you have success in one area, then you take a very successful person and you say, hey, can I leverage your success to be a brand ambassador for this brand, right? So you're the winner. Let me bring you into this other thing that I want to make a winner. That's not us. The gospel is the exact opposite. You're not successful. You're not the one who wins. You're not the one who does it. God is the one who does it. And he comes and claims you and says, you're a new creation because of what I have done. Now, get going. I want to leverage you to be my ambassador. You're appointed to proclaim me. And why that's so important is this, because prior to that new, recreative, spiritual rebirth is what Scripture says. Paul says that in our old nature, in our sin and in our flesh, the only thing I would be is an ambassador of something else, namely me, right? For those of you here, me loves me what? Some me, right? I would not be an ambassador of King Jesus or of his kingdom or of his values. I would be an ambassador of me, which is ultimately, before I have that new spiritual rebirth, it says sin is sitting on the throne of my heart. Until Jesus dethrones me. Tom Petty summed it up perfectly. In his song, It's Good to Be King, what does it say? It's good to be king if just for a while. To be there in velvet, yeah, to give him a smile. It's good to get high and never come down. It's good to be king of your own little town. We should sing this, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, the world would swing. Oh, yeah, Tom, man. We miss Tom. Oh, if I were king, can I help it? It's a little more nasally, right? Can I help it if I still dream time to time? Yeah, sorry. I mean, is, is, there, Tom, is there Tom Petty without Bob Dylan? That's uh, an argument. I don't want to get into that argument right now. Why, why is what Tom's saying so important there? He's saying this, I don't want to be an ambassador. I want to be king. I want to be the person who appoints things. I don't want to be appointed to something. I want to be the appointer. And we come by that honestly since the fall. You, you know, Jeremy said Genesis 12, go back you know, nine chapters to Genesis 3. In the garden, our first spiritual parents, right? Humankind has been playing king since then. And Scripture says, this Scripture says, until 
This new recreative work happens all from God. He's the one who does it. You don't pick him. He picks you. He scoops you up. That's why we can even baptize babies like we do and say, it's all a work of him. That's where our hope is. It's not in ourselves, not my ability to parent my kids into the kingdom. It's what Jesus does until that new recreative work happens. Sin and self sits on the throne of the heart, and the only thing that's going to dethrone me is him. And Paul is saying here, that's happened. If you're in Christ, that has happened for you. So part of this ambassador, this new recreation status that we have, he says it there five times in three verses, is is that we are reconciled. Five times in three verses. Anytime you see repetition in the Bible, pay attention to repetition in the Bible. Trying to make a point. You are reconciled. You are reconciled. You are reconciled, right? All this is from God who reconciled us. He reconciled us, right? Through what? Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us what? The message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, most of religious life, most people believe this even about, about church, is, is I'm here to try to like do something in order to kind of pull the levers for God so that I can get right with him. Paul is squashing that in two verses here. He's saying, you are reconciled, you are reconciled, you are reconciled, you are reconciled. Don't spend your life. It's one of the greatest tricks of Satan. I'm going to spend and try to get you, trick you to spend all of your energy trying to get something you already have rather than live in the reality that you already have it and grow in it, right? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We have the righteousness of God. The invitation is become it, come into it, live into it. What Paul is saying here is is that there is no more condemnation for you. You are reconciled. There is no more enmity between you and God. There is no more hostility between you and God. God is not some grumpy dad who's frustrated with your behavior, who's hoping you get it right so you can get in. That's not how this works. Paul is saying you are at peace with God and he is at peace with you because what Christ has done. And if that's true, that grace is not without effect. I'm actually reconciled to God for a purpose. I'm not just saved from my sins so that I can go to heaven, but I'm saved so that I can live into the righteousness that Christ has given me. I don't just have an ID like it's like Jesus gave me his ID so that I can get into the pearly, you know, pearly kingdom, right? One day. He's saying, no, 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 I've fundamentally changed everything about you, your spiritual DNA, so that you can literally live my life out in the world. We have been given him and everything that comes with him. That's why Paul says there, you're reconciled, you're reconciled, you're reconciled. And then at the end he says, it's kind of confusing, implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. Wait a second, I thought I was reconciled. He's saying, no, 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 you can live like you're not even though you are. Be, be what you are. Live in the identity that you've been given in Christ. Why? Because I've got a purpose for you. 
And the purpose for you is more than just hanging out with me, right? I don't want you to just grow in your knowledge of me. I don't want you to just grow in your understanding of my love for you. I don't want you to just be in this kind of spiritual um, forever therapy session with me. It's all good, and I want you to grow in those ways, but there's more than that. I want you to grow in me, but I also, part of you growing in me is is that I want you to show me to the world around you. This is what it looks like when someone is reconciled to Jesus by the grace of the gospel. God's design, he didn't have to do it this way, but he chose to do it this way as this. I am going to work through you now to reconcile other people to myself. That's what he says in verse 18. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and what? He gave us something. The ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We have a ministry. We have a message. God is making his appeal through us. We are his living argument to the world is what that's saying, right? We are to be a billboard of his mercy, a mouthpiece of his grace and goodness to others who don't know the king and who don't know the kingdom. I had a kid in my high school youth group when he was a senior in high school. His name was Brad Falk. He actually, I don't know how he got this job as a, sophomore, or as a senior in high school. It was when Red Bull was starting, and they asked him as a senior in high school, will you be a Red Bull ambassador? And do you know what it meant to be a Red Bull ambassador? One, I don't know how he got this. He got the can car, like the little mini with the can on the back of it. And then they basically said, anything you're doing your entire senior year of high school will supply you with as much Red Bull as you want. Just give it away. <laughs> so he was in my youth group, and I was just like, yep. Um, so any youth group party, I'm like, I need 20 cases of Red Bull. It's like, great, right? I mean, the amount of Red Bull. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to give high school kids Red Bull, but yeah. It would have been a pity, right? Brad Falk, he's been given this job, be a Red Bull ambassador. The whole purpose of why you've been made an ambassador is to give away as much Red Bull as possible. Wouldn't it have been a pity if I came over to his house and he just had a garage full of Red Bull, right? He shared it with just kind of a couple of people here and there. No, it would have been horrible, right? He lived, man, you want to talk about a senior in high school living into their identity as an ambassador. <laughs> Dude had Red Bull swag and everything like that. I mean, it was just like, it was like, give it, give it, give it away. Because he understood, that's my purpose now. That's who I am. I'm a Red Bull ambassador. He works for Red Bull today, almost 30 years later. Yeah. Changed his whole life. You could argue for the better, for the worse. I don't know. (laughs) But that's what's true, right? I've been reconciled. That's a part of this ambassador reality. I'm a new creation. And now I'm actually going to be a part of God's reconciling new creative work in the life of other people. We have a new purpose. I have been brought from being an ambassador of sin and of self to being an ambassador of the one who saved me from myself. That's why Paul says just a verse earlier that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. I mean, that, you want to talk about the fruit of what it means as a community. 
One of the fundamental shifts that should happen for us as Christians and for us as the church, as ambassadors, is that people should experience a radical others-centric vibe from us. That when they encounter me, they, they actually, that's why Paul calls us the aroma of Christ. They should smell something different about us that isn't about us. It's about something other than us, right? That our lives, our very lives individually and corporately are primarily no longer just organized around me or around just us, but they're organized around him and they're organized around other people who don't know him. My life is open now. I am seeking out who can I give the Red Bull to? right? Do you want some Red Bull? Do you want some Red Bull? You look thirsty. I think you want some Red Bull, right? I was haunted by this quote that kind of sums it up out of this book called Canoeing the Mountains. It says this, it is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. I'll read that again. It's not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, so he's got this thing called a church, and he's like, hey, I've got something for you to do, but that God has a church for his mission. I've got something I'm here to do, and that's why you exist as a church. That's what the church is about. He goes on to say, missional church is a community of God's people that defines itself and organizes its life around its real purpose of being an agent of God's mission to the world. In other words, the church's true and authentic organizing principle is mission. When the church is in mission, it is the true church. So just like Paul says this, he says, you're reconciled, you're reconciled, you're reconciled, you're reconciled. I implore you, be reconciled, live reconciled. Another way to flip that in this is to say this, you're ambassadors, you're ambassadors, you're ambassadors. I'm imploring us, be an ambassador. Be an ambassador. That's who you are. That's your identity now in Jesus. You have so much to offer the world around you. Do you know it? One of the beautiful things about ambassadors, I said I'd say something about embassies. An embassy is where an ambassador moves and grooves, right? An embassy is literally like foreign soil that is made now of the other state. So if the U.S. has an embassy in Ireland or wherever, that's literally like stepping on U.S. soil there. The church, us as a body, we are an embassy, right? We're an embassy of heaven. That's why he teaches us to pray. Jesus says, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a physical body of people that is an embassy of a king and of a kingdom, of a way and of a relationship that when people walk through the doors of this place or as, as the church, because this is just worship, you are the church, When you go, you are an ambassador. You are a little miniature embassy of the king and his kingdom. Would we live like that? Would we believe that to be true about us? Because there are people, future citizens, future citizens, not just a Midtown Fellowship church. We're just one church in Nashville, and we're just one church in the world, of the kingdom. King's children who God wants to use you to be the ambassador that he makes his appeal through. Do you believe that? Would you be curious about that? Would you be open to that? That he wants to use you as the church, as the embassy, as the ambassador. All right, so I'm going to end with this. Ooh, my, got to end. 
So I, I was praying about this. How am I getting this sermon? And I, got, I remember this video uh, from a long time ago. Uh, this is from the Sasquatch Festival in 2009. Who, anybody there? No? Not there. In California, I believe, uh, Sia, who's a rapper, was uh, singing her famous song at the time, Unstoppable. And um, this is a pretty powerful image, and I'll just I'll close it after we see this, but of what it looks like when someone um, literally decides, I- I'm going to be an ambassador, and I'm going to dance to the tune of the king and his kingdom and what can happen, okay? So watch this. One guy dancing by himself for a little while. Then two guys dancing a little awkwardly. (laughs) I mean, Paul said fools for Christ, right? I mean, isn't that part of it? What it means to be ambassador? I might have to look a little silly. Then three, then 10, then a guy in his red underwear with an umbrella hat. And if that guy shows up at church, I'll be pumped. I'm serious. Like, look around at these seats. Look how big this room is. Um, That's one person dancing. What happens if 150 people start dancing? You think that will attract some people? Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Would you dare to dance in your, your new creation status? Would you dare to dance in your reconciled status? Would you... Dare to look at everything that Jesus has done for you and say, I, you've called me to be an ambassador of this. I can give it away. And it's good. It's good news. It's good news to a world that is desperately in need of good news. Um, and you're the one. I'm the one that he wants to use to do it. It's not a burden. This isn't a go do more. This is go be who you are. Um, let's pray. Lord, Thank you. Uh, Thank you that uh, although Sia can say she wants to be unstoppable, you are unstoppable. Um, You and your unstoppable, relentless love um, came and dethroned us from our hearts um, when sin and self ruled and reigned. And you said, nope, I'm going to do a new work. Behold, I'm making all things new, and I'm going to start with the thing that broke creation. I'm going to start with you man and woman, and I'm going to make you new, and then I'm going to make everything else new. So would you help us live into this new creation, this new ambassador status? Uh, Would you change us? If your gospel changes everything, would you change our mentality about us? We would be ambassadors who we are open to. How do you want to make your appeal through us to the world that desperately needs uh, to hear about you and not see us, but to see you? We ask this in your name, and we sing, amen.